Tonight's topic is loving kindness. Um, so loving kindness is a foundational, fundamental teaching in Buddhism uh, about n not only the power but the necessity of kindness. One of the great insights that one has uh, as we develop mindfulness and concentration it becomes more and more evident that we're all deeply interconnected and so the practice of kindness whether that shows up as friendliness or integrity or generosity or truthfulness or all these different ways we can be kind in this world the teaching here is not that we do that in order to be good people, although it does support goodness, of course. And we don't do it in order to sort of live up to some moral standard or list of rules or anything like that. We're actually practicing kindness because it puts our systems in alignment with what's true, which is that we deeply impact our, and are impacted by everything and everyone around us because we are deeply interrelated. And that, that kindness kind of puts us back in alignment. So we're not like feeling like so much like we're um, a square, pe a round peg in a square hole or something like that. You know, that kind of sense of abrasion or harshness that can be such a part of our lives but rather more like, oh no, um, kindness uh, creates a kind of a soothing, which is this sense of alignment with the truth of what is, which is uh, much less of a separate self than we are conditioned to believe and much deeper interrelationship. Loving kindness is um, one of four abodes of the heart that the Buddha taught that are always skillful or they're, they're, they, they, in, they, they interrelate with each other and any one of them can be, or any combination of them can be chosen as a wise response to what's arising in the moment in life. So life's going to be life. It's going to do what it does. Sometimes it will be pleasant. Often it will be neutral and very often it's also unpleasant. And this is true for all of us. And we can, um, respond to that with habituated reactivity um, or we can respond to that with awareness and from this sense of awareness of what's happening in the present moment find a response that again creates as much alignment as possible and these four brahmaviharas these four heart states are all taught as wise response and they come together and loving kindness is the first one it's sort of the grandmother one it's the it's the one that kind of opens out to the other three so first let me say that brahma vihara is pali for um, divine abodes uh, brahma means divine or sublime or noble and vihara is 
uh, comes from the word monastery, what really means home or a, or a dwelling place. So Brahma Vihara, these dwelling places for our hearts. And um, so the four are loving kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. I'll say just a little bit about the four and how they relate to each other, and then we'll we'll look more deeply into loving kindness. So as I said, loving kindness is the first one. And it it basically means goodwill, friendliness, kindness, emotional warmth, benevolence. So these are states that are, as you know, they're they're human, and we we all experience them. And that's lovely, and they they don't need to be left to chance. We can actually. Um, make the arising of friendliness or loving kindness uh, into a more common event in our lives through practice. Not unlike mindfulness. Mindfulness is also a natural human capacity to know what's going on, which we intentionally broaden through practice so that it shows up more in our lives. And loving kindness the same. So it's friendliness. When this friendliness meets distress or pain of any kind, it becomes compassion. Um, friendliness is present. It's, an, it's a non-abandoning. It's a being with. And when pain is there, then it's a being with, kindly being with, pain, distress. And um, it recognizes that compassion begins with the recognition that imperfection and loss and challenge are not mistakes. They're part of the journey. And, um, and, and so there's not a need to fight against uh, pain, but more a need to be, uh, be with, stay present with, and take action if there's any action that's possible to take. And if there's no action possible to take, still to not abandon, but to be with. So we practice compassion and patience and forgiveness. Patience and forgiveness are all forms of compassion instead of self-blame or blaming others. So this is loving kindness in the face of, face of pain. It's compassion. And when loving kindness meets the good things in life, you know, beautiful nature and laughter with a friend and um, all the good things, the tasty foods. <laughs> um, when, when friendliness meets those states, it becomes appreciation and joy. And that's the third of the, of the Brahma Vihara. So again, we, we have this same energy that we're going to be talking tonight about tonight, loving kindness. So loving kindness is the general kind of umbrella of friendliness in all states. Then compassion is when we're meeting distress and appreciative joy is when we're meeting the good things, the blessings. And then equanimity is when loving kindness or friendliness meets wisdom. And the knowledge of impermanence that everything changes and passes, that we can't hold on to anything forever. And, and also that, that, the difficult things won't be here forever 
Equanimity is this knowing and this understanding about the truth of change and holding that with friendliness creates a kind of a allowing, allowing life to be what it is, allowing ourselves to be our imperfect, lovely selves and others to be as they are. And letting go of a sense of needing to um, control what we can't control, meaning other people or, um, you know, some of the things that come into or leave our lives. There's a lot that's out of our hands. Understanding that this is the universal human experience and making some peace with that. And this doesn't mean that you know, there's real, the, all these aspects of friendliness imbue equanimity. It doesn't mean that there's any kind of, um, you know, shutting down or not caring going on. It's the, it's the friendliness meeting the wisdom of things as they are. Holding it in kindness and allowing. So those are the four Brahmaviharas and the Buddha taught about them all at length. However, um, loving kindness is the only of the four that has its own full teaching, which I'll share with you in a few minutes, the Metta Sutta. So Metta is the ancient North Indian word um, for loving kindness. And it it's, comes from the word friend. And that word for friend comes from an earlier word, which means spreading out kindness or fat with kindness, which I love. I love fat with kindness. I love reclaiming the word fat. Fat with kindness. <laughs> Abundant with kindness. So it's a teaching about boundless leaning or inclining towards boundless befriending of ourselves, each other, and life. Deliberately cultivating goodwill. So in the Vasudhi Maga, the, um, a, a, a huge, it's actually two huge tomes, two huge collections of teachings written by Buddha Gosa, a, a Theravadan scholar about a thousand years ago, um, gathering together the knowledge of this tradition. He defines loving kindness as goodwill, the wish for true happiness, offers full heartedness. Well, I really like that. If you think about these moments when you're feeling really genuine warmth and kindness and friendliness, you know. Maybe you see a, you know, really sweet dog or a loved friend or something like this and it just arises naturally. If there's enough mindfulness present to really tune into the body in those moments, there is a kind of a, literally, physically, a kind of a full-heartedness. A sense of opening and radiating out coming from 
for many of us, the heart area, which is very often where, what we're referring to when we're talking about felt emotional states, but others of us can feel it like in the cheeks or in the eyes or in the belly. But there's often a felt sense of full-heartedness, of open, open-heartedness. And the function, this is the Buddha Gosa teaching from the Vasudhimaga, the, the, the function of loving kindness, of friendliness, of cultivating friendliness, is to generate well-being. And I think that's really interesting that, you know, there's all these different kind of things out there, especially in modern day culture, about what is going to give you well-being, you know? What's the latest trend that's going to make you feel good, you know? And the teaching here is, it's friendliness, it's warmth, holding yourself and your experience and friendliness and warmth, practicing that if it seems far away or hard, practicing, leaning, walking, moving that direction, and holding others in friendliness and warmth or moving in that direction. I had a um, practice for a while when, when I would notice, like there was a lot, there's a lot, the mind has lots of habits and we hold those with lots of patience and love and work with them as best we can. That's our practice here. So when I would notice that my mind would spontaneously negatively judge, whether it was someone else or myself, I would use that as a mindfulness flag to immediately go to some loving kindness phrases. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be peaceful. So, you know, I would see somebody and I wouldn't like their, you know, sweatsuit, say, <laughs> or I don't know what my mind is doing. You know, it just picks something out, doesn't like it. I don't know why. And I would notice that and, and, and use that as an opportunity to, to practice the loving kindness phrases. Partly because I don't identify with the negative. I, when my mind goes to negatively judging people, it's not who I want to be. So that's partly it. But Partly, it's just this deep understanding that for the sake of others and for myself, if I can incline towards friendliness, then I'm supporting well-being, my own well-being and the well-being of everyone around me. I'm supporting that. Generates well-being. One of the primary proximate causes that's taught as uh, a, a, the primary support for loving kindness arising besides mindfulness, which is, you know, a superpower. Anytime we have mindfulness, we can see what's happening. Well, we can see what's happening and make a choice like that example that I just gave you. But other than mindfulness, a major proximate cause for loving kindness is seeing the goodness, looking for deliberately looking for and seeing the goodness in others or in ourselves. And I'll say more about that later tonight as well. The near enemy of loving kindness, near enemy is a phrase in Buddhist teachings that means 
something that is not the thing, but can be mistaken for the thing. So the near enemy of loving kindness is attachment. When we, when we love something because we are clinging to it, because it's somehow boosting our ego. And the far enemy of, um, of loving kindness is aversion. And aversion has a wide range of ways of showing up anywhere from full on hatred all the way up to the most subtle resentments or dislikes. So, so those are, that's kind of the territory that we're in. It's not clinging on. It's not pushing away. It's just warmth. It's just wishing well, wanting the best. Also from the same um, book, the Vasudhimaga, is this. The liberation of mind through loving kindness has beauty as the highest perception. This is because no one appears repulsive to someone who abides in loving kindness. And I just want to say, including yourself. No one appears repulsive to someone who abides in loving kindness. So as we cultivate this more and more, incline this direction more and more, there's more and more this tenderness that holds everything, ourselves, others, animals. And I remember, I remember really beautiful, beautifully seeing this in action in a, in a short video clip I saw of Mother Teresa in an orphanage in Eastern Europe. And there was a child there who was so severely, um, had such severe deformation of their body that they, that they were almost unrecognizable. Um, and they were in contraction. And the filmmaker's right there, and Mother Teresa's right there. Mother Teresa looks down at this child with so much love and reaches her hand down and puts her hand on the baby's chest. And the baby, like, immediately relaxes. And that, to me, is, like, so beautiful. That's, that's the direction we're walking with loving kindness practice. No one appears repulsive to someone who abides in loving kindness. The wisdom of that, the rightness of that, the alignment of that is so deep. When we're in aversion, we're in delusion. We're causing harm because we're in delusion. And in that moment, Mother Teresa was in wisdom and she was in loving kindness. So I want to um, 
share uh, some Sharon Salzberg. So, so you, many of you know that um, there were a number of people, including our beloved James Barras, who were in India and Burma in the 1960s and early 1970s, and um, you know, going and working with teachers and learning things. And they came back, and in 1975, they founded um, the Insight Meditation Society in Barrie, Massachusetts. And uh, so Sharon, so that that year, um, when they founded the Insight Meditation Society, the, the people that founded it decided to inaugurate it by doing a month-long retreat. And Sharon decided to do the whole month on loving kindness practice, although she had never done it before or gotten any direct instructions about it. She decided to do it. So the, um, the, but what she knew and, and, and many of you know too, that the formal way to practice is two, two parts to this. One is we say well-wishing phrases. May I be safe. May I be peaceful. May I be healthy. May I live with ease over and over again. That's one thing. And then the other thing is we go through categories of beings. So, so traditionally we begin with ourselves and then we do a benefactor and then a friend and then a neutral person and then a difficult person and then all beings. So Sharon was doing this practice. And so she decided to, you know, according to the, you know, you start with yourself. So she did the first week offering the loving kindness phrases to herself and it was really hard and really dry and she wasn't feeling anything no no feelings of open-heartedness whatsoever and she's like saying these phrases for 16 hours a day really hard and then at the end of that first week a person in their community had some kind of crisis and she had to leave the retreat center so she's packing quickly packing up her bag feeling really bad like oh my gosh what a horrible waste of time not only did I just spend a week practicing and, and have, and it was totally dry and just have no sense of connection whatsoever, but it was super selfish because I spent the whole week just sending these wishes to myself. Oh my gosh. So she's doing that and she's rushing around packing and she drops a glass and it breaks on the ground. And her mind says spontaneously, Oh, Sharon, you're such a klutz but I love you. And she couldn't believe it. Like whose mind was that? She never heard her own inner talk say anything like that before. It suddenly came out. So she realized, and she writes about this extensively, she realized that this practice is an understanding. It's not an emotion. Like, yes, full heartedness. Yes, there is an emotion there. It does come. And it's so much bigger than that. It's a practice. It's an understanding that we walk towards. And it's a seed planting. And you don't see the seeds necessarily sprout instantaneously. So anyway, that's, that's actually a side story to get me to my main point, which is that Sharon became like, really impressed by loving kindness practice and what it could do for her 
well-being, her own well-being, and the well-being of, of her students. So, in 1984, she went to Burma and did a three-month loving-kindness retreat with Sayada Upandita, a, a well-known um, Burmese meditation master. And so I'm going to be quoting her uh, quite a bit for the next few minutes because she has a lot to say and I think it's really valuable. This is the first from her. The Pali word metta, the Pali word metta has two root meanings. One is the word for gentle. And I'm just going to pause and say, I love that so much. I love gentle. You know, when it's like safe enough to be gentle, I think that is a superpower. So the so the Pali word metta has two root meanings. One is the word for gentle. Metta is likened to a gentle rain that falls upon the earth. This rain does not select and choose. I'll rain here and I'll, rain, I'll avoid that place over there. Rather, it simply falls without discrimination. So this is something we learn. As the heart opens in its capacity to be friendly and loving, it perceives everyone that way. It's not that we're, we become idiotic and we can't see, you know, people's challenges or their, or the ways that they're having delusion. <laughs> That's not it. It's that the heart itself sees the goodness. Remember the proximate cause or knows it's there, even if it's just in the form of a seed in beings and feels that care. 